Listen. Welcome everybody to episode 570 of NVC Nintendo Voice Chat. I am your host Per Schneider sitting in for Casey DeFritas this week and uh, we have some interesting topics for you I hope. We're going to talk about the Switch release of Skyward Sword, go a little deeper into our play experiences, we'll talk about the Switch OLED and how the pre-orders went, plus a couple of other news items and questions from our audience. To do that I want to introduce you to our illustrious panel of uh, hosts and co-hosts and guests this week. Uh, first of all, we've got Jada Griffin from IGN. Hey, everybody. Hi, Jada. We've got, uh, I, th I think I'm pronouncing this right, Brian Altano. It's Bri Brian. Yeah. Brian is French. Yeah. OK, Brian, <laughs> welcome. <laughs> and then uh, a guest uh, joining us last minute. Thank you so much for making it. OJ Player Essence. You've seen his YouTube channel. You've probably followed him on social media. Welcome. Or not follow me on social media. I mean, I depend on what they should. I do. So we originally planned to do a deep dive into uh, Skyward Sword. I had it all mapped out. It was going to be the legend of a 10, and we were going to bring back Rich George, but it fell through last minute. So we're going to have to do that episode in the future sometime. Uh, but instead, uh, I, I think we assembled a pretty good panel of people who have all played Skyward Sword and may have slightly different opinions from each other. And uh, we'll get to that in a bit. But uh, our first topic is actually going to be focusing on how the Switch is doing out there. And I don't want to get mired in, in boring sales data. Tell me to stop if I, if I go too far, as always. Um, but Switch OLED went up for pre-order uh, you know, a mere week ago. It feels like it's been a year, and uh, it's almost out. And I wanted to check in with you guys. Did you guys pre-order? Who managed to get one? Who didn't want one? I, I, mean, I guess I'll, I'll start. No, you go first, Jada. Oh, yeah, I'll jump in. Um, I, I'm still happy with my current Switch. So the, for this, it wasn't enough of, a, of an adjustment or an improvement for me to want to jump on the, uh, the wagon and pick up a new Switch. Um, so for me, it was kind of, it it's really nice. It's super sweet looking. Like if I didn't have a switch, it would have been an instant buy for me, but yep. with already having one that's still working just fine. It just, it wasn't enough to, for me to justify. You let all us fools jump in line first and, and test it out. <laughs> Brian, did you, did you order one? Uh, I did. And I don't, I, <laughs> I don't necessarily know why, like I, I like, don't get me wrong. I'm I'm excited for it, and I'm I, I think like once it's in my hands, I'll be like, I, this is why I did this. But I got the I you know like some of you probably I got that red box switch a couple of years ago, which was a nice upgrade in terms of battery life and stuff like that. But one of the things I do remember spe uh, specifically about that, and also when I got my switch light, is that the system transfer process is kind of a pain. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm sort of dreading that weekend of like going into the eShop and re-downloading games. Um, th there's, th there's just like a whole lot of things there. And also, and this is very specific, but I'm one of those weirdos that has like multiple uh, international accounts on my system to be able to download demos from the Japanese eShop and European games and such. Uh, and so like, that's another thing of sort of like having, having to resync all those things. But I did get a pre-order in. It was um, not as frustrating as I thought it would be, but definitely still you know, a little, you know, 2020, 2021-ish in terms of pre-ordering anything. But yeah. I don't know. I'm on the fence on whether or not I'll keep it, but I did get one in for now. So, uh, and OJ, were you able to pre-order one? Did you want one? Yeah, yeah. I actually pre-ordered one um, 
I had a live stream for it. You know, we were just trying to help people get one if they want one because we didn't know what the type of uh, demand was going to be, right? right? We don't know how much Nintendo made of these. I figured they'd make a lot so there'd be a lot of people to get one because it's the same, you know, it's the same SOC, right? It's the same thing. So I figured it wouldn't be in like, you know, a problem to get one, but I still had a live stream just so, uh, just mm -hmm. to see. And yeah, I was able to pre-order one, uh, no problem. I wanted the white one, the one with the like off-white with the, mm -hmm. you know, Metroid dreads coming. So I pre-ordered that and uh, I have one of those, uh, you know, the OLED TVs. I have an LG CX OLED TV. Same And here, those yeah. are extremely nice. And I also have um, the OLED PS Vita and you can still have that today. And that's from, you know, 2011. And it looks amazing, even still to this day. And that's like a 540p screen or something mm -hmm. like that, right? So I've always liked playing games handheld. You know, that's something that I do whenever I go to my mom's house or if I travel, you know, sister's house or brothers. I always, you know, do that if I go out of, you know, out of the country, which I do travel out of country too. So for me, it was like, yeah, I'm going to check it out because I play portable handheld and I like OLED screens. I just, I'm just a big fan of OLEDs ever since I saw that Vita. You know, I was like, I, I want OLEDs, you know, on everything. Mm -hmm. So um, it was cool. But I understand for those who aren't as big as that, you know, or aren't as big on it and they want to play like, you know, dog. Like, I, I get that. Like, it doesn't really seem like it's going to like you need it. But for me as a, you know, handheld, I'm like a 50-50 type of person, you know. Um, so for me, it was like, yeah, I want to get one just because OLEDs are just so nice. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely for for people who who want to take it on the go more, and then obviously anybody foolish enough to buy all these different Joy-Con colors will want it. Um, I I, um, who, who I would, would do that. I don't know, <laughs> crazy people. I was able to get one, and the pre-order process, obviously pre-ordering next-gen consoles and and you know even current-gen consoles can be really tough. Uh, There's still you know so many people out there who just can't get a PS5 or a, a Series X. Um, and obviously then Steam's uh, new handheld went went out and caused the same issues. Like when it first went up, like it, feel, it felt like a trickle of pre-orders coming in where Walmart and Target went online. Then some of their pages actually four or four out. GameStop came online and then made the pre-orders power up only. So you had to pay to be first in line, which I thought was was pretty shady. Mm -hmm. uh, and then Best Buy, I thought, did a really nice job. They had this queue management system where uh, once you signed in, it would it would um, gray out the pre-order button and say, hey, don't refresh, don't go anywhere. When new stock is uh, coming in, uh, we'll release it. And obviously, it's not that they're waiting for confirmation on new stock. It's that all of these pre-orders being placed at the same time put a tremendous uh, amount of strain on on the uh, you know their order management systems and that's why Walmart goes to 404 and Best Buy didn't so i thought they did a really nice job and then after the first wave was over more came and we've seen yeah. Am Amazon post a couple of times it it feels like if you want one you know i always say follow ign deals you can follow warrior 64 uh you know any of these uh, uh accounts focused on on in stock alerts and pre-orders and you'll definitely get one mm -hmm. i i had the that that same uh sort of situation with best buy and i at first i was kind of like apprehensive about it because i was like oh this means i didn't get it for sure uh, but I, th I thought that that was a really good system of sort of just like graying it out for a minute and kind of verifying that there was a human behind the wheel there. Um, I appreciated that. It, it was like, I, like sort of night and day compared to some of the next gen pre-orders we saw, whether or not that's demand or whether or not just everybody was on the same page here. It was nice to have Nintendo this time around go, okay, here's when the pre-orders are going live. This is the time it's going to happen. And then just, you know, having multiple tabs open for multiple different online retailers. Because I remember specifically when they announced the Switch Lite, 
we were kind of in the dark for a really long time in terms of, you know, when and where that was going to go up for pre-order. And so there was a while where I was like, I want this, but I feel like if they had struck while the iron was hot on that one, they could have sold even more. But uh, it, they kind of announced it and then went in the dark for a while. And then so this time around, it was cool because they announced the OLED. I think people had a couple of days to kind of process that it wasn't the Switch Pro and it wasn't this like new 4K device, but then also kind of go, maybe I do want this thing. And yeah. then they said, this is how you can get it. And so I, I think that that was one of the smoother processes that we've seen so far in terms of console rollouts. Yeah, and I was going to ask you guys, so uh, NPD data came out last week uh, as well. Um, you know, the June numbers, obviously, uh, for, for the month of, uh, of June. And you should know for NPD data, it's... Uh, you know, retail sales tracking for Nintendo titles. It doesn't include the digital numbers because Nintendo doesn't feed those to NPD. Um, but overall, you know, the Switch did well. It was the top so selling console again. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know how many months running it's been. Uh, 30, 33, I think it is. It's it's insane. However, for the, yeah. for, the, for the very first time, it was second in terms of uh, dollars made on console sales and the the Xbox actually moved ahead for the month of June for the first time. Do you think that's a, you know, obviously the Xbox hardware costs more and all of that, but do you think that's a sign of things to come that maybe now as stock for the next gen console is more readily available, people are finally buying them and mm -hmm. Nintendo's lead was a little bit of an artificial one in that Nintendo just was able to crank out more switches or do you think this is just uh, this is just a fluke? Um, you know, I, I took a look at it on my channel and I think that Microsoft, especially they had a great E3. So that, that was also a help, but yep. the issue that I see with them, and I've talked about this is that they have, it seems the lowest amount of systems because they're mm -hmm. always sold out and they're getting outsold almost two to one by Sony. It's a little bit less. So, and they don't have to supply as much to Japan. Just like they're not sending as much to Japan <laughs> or anything have, yeah, or really any, not, not as much to Japan or anything <laughs> yet. They're selling far less. So it was good to see them actually get a considerable amount of stock. If Microsoft was able to provide more stock, I think we'd see them higher up on the dollar amount charts. I think this would have happened maybe a few more times beforehand, but they haven't even been able to meet demand of the people who want one in the first place. So they were finally able to get a big stock uh, out, um, you know, shipment out. And that's good. That's that's finally good because it always just blows my mind when I see that because I'm like, man, I, I, I don't ever see an Xbox Series X in stores. No. Maybe an S sometimes, but it's yeah. usually somebody's always grabbing it, right? So the fact that they're getting outsold pretty badly by Switch in terms of just unit sales, and then also they're getting outsold by Sony, but yet they're sold out. That tells me that, okay, they really have a very low amount of systems, you know? So it was good that they actually were able to get a decent amount out to where they can get up there in the dollar sales. So and, that's kind of how I see it. Yeah, and that's the ongoing story, right? Like certainly the chipsets featured, you know, in, in these machines as well as high-end graphics cards are still not catching up to demand. Uh, we, we do a... a, a a study every two years at IGN called the, the it's a segmentation study where you look at different gamer segments and what they want and like PlayStation demand outstrips um, everything by you know two x uh, and you know I, I think it's a sign that uh, PlayStation could be selling way way more units if they just kept them on 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 store shelves but obviously Switch is also um, plays by different rules right the mm -hmm. uh, the chipsets are easier to manufacture easier to come by for Nintendo's. I'm curious what that looks like come Christmas when demand is super high. Will Nintendo just run away with a lead there because they can make enough units and everybody else can't? 
I think that yeah. that's that's part of it for sure. I think it's also you're looking at the, the Switch as a, a console that's thriving in terms of its life cycle, its software. Um, if I was, you know, totally strapped for cash and I was a gamer right now, and somebody said, "Which system should I should I should I buy a PS5?" I I would I would be like, if you really really want one, sure, it's a luxury item, but I don't think that there's necessarily any like absolute like must have, like and i i love ratchet i love returnal i love demon souls i think those are like some phenomenal exclusive games phenomenal not to underplay that at all i think the xbox obviously has has less of that going on although you know it's it's got its own perks as well but the switch i mean if if you've if you don't have one you can buy into a system right now that has like an amazing zelda game an amazing mario game uh, uh animal crossing fire Emblem, all these games that will like last you hundreds and hundreds of hours and the entry fees is considerably lower lower than it is with the with the other consoles not including the series s of course right and so like i i do think that that's that's a big part of it is that software ultimately does sell these things and like there's a lot of buzz around the ps5 right now and making having it really hard to get is actually probably sort of amplifying that because people look at something that they can't have and they want it more but with the switch like if you can walk into a store and you can get one and immediately go home and start playing some of these big games like that's really cool and then you know you've got metroids you've got pokemons and you got all these other stuff coming out so i i do think that's it's going to continue to to thrive i don't know if it'll go 40 50 60 months on top but yeah. it's it's had an amazing run and will continue to I I, and I know you guys talked about the, uh, you know, Steam's handheld console announcement last week and the prospects of how that would sell against uh, uh, Nintendo. And like, if you look at the past, there's one clear rule you can make about handheld gaming. The console, the handheld machine with Pokemon wins, yeah. and the runner-up will be the machine with Monster Hunter. And this generation, <laughs> Switch has both, right? And so, uh, it, you know, in in Japan, obviously, Monster Hunter was a huge success factor for Sony's handhelds, and and I, I do think sales will look really, really strong in Japan based on those two, two factors, and then in the US, uh, obviously, too. But uh, just quickly from NPD as well. So Mario Golf uh, obviously came out. It debuted at number three. It was behind Ratchet and Clank, Rift Apart on the PS5, and Black Ops Cold War. Uh, that's not counting uh, eShop. But if you look at this, at the top 20 overall, seven of the top 20 bestsellers last month were Switch exclusives. So just from a uh, from a split, right? There were seven games you can only play on the Switch, not on PC, not you know, not on Xbox or PlayStation. And then uh, when you look at the year-to-date top ten, three uh, of the top sellers this year so far, Switch exclusives. That's Super Mario 3D World number four, Monster Hunter Rise uh, in in five, Mario Kart eight. Um, and then uh, in eighth, Mario Kart eight in eighth. And then Minecraft is obviously down. Minecraft is always on the list, right? That's a cross-platform seller, but gets a lots of, a lot of its sales on the Switch as well. Um, mm -hmm. So I mean, it's looking pretty good. And then in the UK, uh, we saw some early data. Skyward Sword debuted in number one. Uh, some analysts are saying it's selling on par with the original Wii release. Now we should note that Skyward Sword came out very late in the Wii's life cycle, so it wasn't the top seller. It wasn't lighting the world on fire like some of the earlier games for for Wii were. But that that's uh, looking pretty good then, huh? Good debut mm -hmm. for Skyward. Yeah. I mean, that's... I think it's I think it's you know even more of a testament for how well it's doing on Switch. Like, even though it came out late in the Wii's lifespan, that just meant there was that many more of an install base for owners to go out and pick up Skyward Sword. So, I mean, yes, it wasn't, like, a hot new pick-it-up-with-this-console, like, uh, you know, even, you know, Skyward Sword now on the Switch still isn't that. But I, th I think it's both, they're both kind of coming out that same kind of life, at uh, that point in the lifespans for both consoles. Like, it's, they're both kind of, like, 
mid console mid to end console cycles i mean i don't know when the switch's console cycle is going to end but i gotta imagine we're at least somewhere near the halfway point um <laughs> at this point <laughs> um but yeah i mean it's i think it's great that skyward sword is still performing even though it's you know not typically on people the top of people's zelda lists i'm yeah we'll talk about that a little bit more but i'm really curious to see if the kind of the switch boost um continues with skyward sword where you know these game re-releases are just performing as strongly as other companies entirely new games um so one one related topic and i swear we'll stop being all businessy after this one is uh you know nintendo never comments on rumors and speculation except when they just did last week, right? From the Japanese uh, Twitter account, social media accounts uh, from Nintendo NCL, in English, they commented on a Bloomberg report. Um, you know, if you remember the report, Bloomberg, Bloomberg said that the Switch OLED costs only $10 more to make than the standard model, but Nintendo is hiking it by 50 bucks, so their profit margin in increases, right? They're making an extra $40 per unit. Nintendo responded via the account and said, I quote, uh, a news report on July 15th claimed that the profit margin of the Nintendo Switch OLED model would increase compared to the Nintendo Switch. To ensure correct understanding among our investors and customers, we want to make clear that the claim is incorrect. We also want to clarify that we just announced that Nintendo Switch OLED model will launch in October 2021 and have no plans for launching any other model at this time. What do you guys think about that? That's unusual for them, right? Very, yeah. I mean, came out of nowhere. I, as Look, I started covering Nintendo professionally in 1997 or something like that. And I've placed probably hundreds of calls for comments on rumors. Like, hey, is it true you guys are working on a Star Fox game uh, with pretty graphics and it's like we can't comment on rumor or speculation like every time and yet here they are and they put this out why do you guys think they did that um well they said you know right there with their investors and their customers like so i think that this was picking up a lot of traction a lot of people like a lot of people were making videos a lot of people were talking about how it's like you know this increase and it's you know, so I think that they really just wanted to uh, clarify it from maybe even also from their investor standpoint, because if their invest investors are thinking that, hey, this is going to be a huge thing, they're seeing like the pre-orders go sell out and they're thinking that they're going to make so much more money off of these, mm -hmm. right? Then that could also lead to a, um, you know, a false sense of profits in terms of what they're going to get. So I think that it's just like, it's a combination of like, just, you know, obviously the right information, but also like, I'm not sure if they want to set their investors up for potentially like them thinking that this is going to, you know, increase the company's net worth by like, you know, 40 billion or something like mm. that, you know? So I think it's, it's also that as well, you know, I mean, obviously they're making something more off of it. Right. So there's probably right. something that that's there, but maybe it's not the exact, um, all they have to make sure is that it's not the exact amount in terms of what Bloomberg said. And it's a, incorrect report right so i think you know that's what it comes down to at the you know at the end like it can just be off just by a bit and it, it was wrong based that's off a, of uh, that that's a really good point because i actually hadn't thought about it from the perspective of them sort of like satiating investors who were looking at this and being like wait how much money are we going to make off this thing because mm -hmm. i i sort of thought of it as like oh we're going to put out this this rumor fire that's going on right here because there was a lot of backlash from a lot of people sort of being like why we why we why is this fifty dollars more than it actually is? I think there's like a lot of sort of moving parts there that that got it to where it is. And the thing that like I was I was tweeting about the other day is that like the reason it's three hundred fifty dollars is because they sold eighty five million or you know something 
it's around 85 million not you know if you just subtract the switch lights obviously that's it's a little less than that um at, at 300 of the base switch model and so the the customers or the consumers have told nintendo and told the market that this is a, a justifiable price for this hardware and they said okay well how do we like you know sneak in the sort of premium model here um it's also because nintendo is one of the only hardware manufacturers in the gaming industry that historically has at least attempted to make a profit off of their their hardware out the gate whereas like the other the other ones are generally take a loss recoup in in software and also peripherals and such uh nintendo has kind of always been like well this is what we're aiming for and we want to be able to make a little bit of money off of like the wii and the gamecube you know chipsets and hardware on, on day one and so i think that like ultimately it's it's like it's kind of icky because like the, none of those savings are ever passed on to the consumer, but like this is, it is at the end of the day, a business. And I hate to, like, it sounds like I'm like standing for capitalism here and I don't want to be that guy, <laughs> but like, this is the video game. The video game industry is an industry. It is not a charity. It is this weird marriage of like art and business colliding in unison and you know there's a lot of shrapnel there sometimes and the savings rarely get passed down to the consumer if you look at like when games went digital uh we never really caught a break there right like they they didn't like I, we didn't get to save the cost of what it cost to ship a game on a truck and print it in a factory and have a beautiful 50 page color manual and a box art and stuff like that. All of that got worse. Most of it went away and the, the prices stayed exactly the same. In fact, some, a lot of times they even went up. So yeah, that does suck. But I, don't, I don't know how to fix that besides boycotting you know, consumerism <laughs> in general. I know, and but you know, the value of money also kept on going down. So, yeah. so there's that. I, I remember when mm -hmm. I was a kid, and like a Atari computer cartridge was like what I would think is the equivalent of like 140 bucks now, and mm -hmm. like thinking I can never afford this stuff. There, there, there were N64 well, yeah. games that were like 90 that, bucks. You know, that's mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Oh yeah, Super and Nintendo I, was like 85 and such. Yeah, yeah. I remember saving up for who knows how long to get Chrono Trigger. I think it was yeah. 70 dollars. When it launched and i thought that was like the most astronomical amount of money in my life you know i thought yeah, that i'd never right. be able to afford this i think i yeah. spent 79 bucks on like clay fighter 63 mm. and a third because like i read oh. the ign review and i'm like yeah what do those guys know <laughs> uh -huh. well we taught you a lesson there all right well thank you thank you for uh thank you thank you for your insight guys um so now on to our next topic so this little game came out uh last friday called the Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword. Uh, and obviously it's not entirely new. I think all of you played it back in 2011 when it first came out or maybe afterwards. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, 2011. I, I, Day I don't, one. I don't mm -hmm. want to make you, make you all seem old, but um, obviously- I'll, I'm old. Obviously, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's okay. There's look, nothing I can do about it. This is not Reed Richards' cosplay. <laughs> my hair cosplay. can't fall out again, so it's... <laughs> um, I can give you some of my beard hair and transfer it over here. It's okay, right? <laughs> well, when you guys are uh, done exchanging follicles, uh, I think it's fair to say that that Skyward Sword is still considered to be the most divisive Zelda game, right? Like, obviously, some people would argue Zelda 2 because it completely changed the formula. It went from action adventure to RPG, uh, you know, from top down to side scrolling. But Skyward Sword is a very, very different game, and it's not just the motion controls. Mm -hmm. um, I just want to go back to 2011. Uh, just a quote from Rich George's review on IG, and he gave this game a 10 10. 
I, uh, 10 out of 10. Uh, he said, remarkably, the Zelda game manages to reshape its control scheme, design sensibility and pacing all at once while still telling a brilliantly powerful story featuring, featuring some very memorable characters. And he, he thought, and I, I don't know if he still believes it, but he might, he thought this was the best the Zelda franchise had been since its inception. And, you know, I think at the time he also thought that this would kind of formulate the direction of future Zelda games. What do you, what do you guys think? I don't know. Jada, you want to jump in? Yeah. I mean, I love what they went for with Skyward Sword. I love a lot of the new mechanics, you know, the being able to roll your bombs and do different things like that. I loved like a lot of those other things. And I, I actually do not have an issue with the motion controls when they work well. Um, like for me with Skyward Sword, the whole time I'm on the ground going through dungeons, motion controls, no problem whatsoever. As soon as I have to get on a loft wing though, with those motion controls, it's just, if I have to give a point for every time I'm on the ground as Link, and then every time I, and take away a point every time I'm in the sky as, uh, on my loft wing, I like, it, it evens out. Like I just, <laughs> I don't ever want to be on my loft wing, which really sucks. Cause I really like the loft wing as a creature in the Legend of Zelda. I'd love to see more of them in future games. I feel like we so, will. So just a pro tip, because I've, I've heard I've heard people struggling with uh, motion controls in different places. Like for the loft wing sequences, ignore your left Joy-Con. Do all your steering with the right one. Do the flappity flappity to gain gain uh, height just with the right Joy-Con. But it and and recenter your pointer because my biggest issue with the motion controls is they were meant to be very mainstream and accessible, right? Like you, the sword moves the way that you move your hand, but in reality, it's super finicky because you have to constantly re reset your center point, right? You've seen it like when you use the wind bag. Um, you know, the best uh, object, obviously, in the game. Like, you, you get off center very quickly, and as you're vacuuming, suddenly you are, you are pointing off screen somewhere in order to center yourself, and you have to constantly recenter. The other thing is the rhythm part of the combat. Like, just swinging left and right means the enemies often block, but once you get into a groove of considering that it's a rhythm game, I think it's much easier to, to land those. That's my pro tip. 100% agree with the rhythm yeah. portion. But it's, um, the, you know, and uh, it's really hard to kind of try to remember how the motion controls felt back in the days when we first played it. Do you guys, do you appreciate them more or are you still, I'm assuming nobody here is completely in love with the motion controls. Is it still, I wish this wasn't centered around motion at all. What do you guys think? Um, absolutely not. Um, when it comes to motion controls, huh? I mean, I understand why it was there at the time I played it. And it's like, like you said, like the flying, it just, the most simplest things seem to be an issue at times. Either it was like extreme waggle, which could still be whatever, but I, I appreciated what they tried with the mm -hmm. Wii Motion Plus. Like I appreciated it, but overall it just felt like it was just finicky. You know, it felt like it was just finicky. It felt when I was playing it back then, I can remember perfectly like what I was doing and what was going on at that time and everything and i was excited but and i had fun like when you slash and like you hit somebody it feels good but then it's like all the other things you know like jada was talking about it's like all the other things that just kind of like when you're trying to just roll a bomb or when you're trying to just do certain things that should be very simple to do 
and it turns into like an event for some reason because it's a mo it's motion control. So I think they went a little bit too ham on them. They went a little bit too much with the motion with everything. It should have just been the sword stuff. Then everything right. else you can probably just do like just by pressing buttons. But they went, you got to do this by motion. You got to do this by motion. You got to do this by motion. Like everything was about motion for some reason. And there was no need for that. They could have just done the sword stuff by motion. And everything else could have just been buttons, in my opinion, at least. So I'm glad that this for this new version came out, you know, because I, I played and beat Skyward Sword twice. So I can play the extra mode that has that you that you get afterwards. Um, but I didn't, it's definitely on the lower end of my 3D Zeldas. Um, but that might be changing once we kind of get into are, the, are you playing with button controls now or motion controls? I'm playing with button controls a thousand percent. And oh, really? I'm having yeah. considerably more fun. And I it's already starting to jump above like it, this was probably the lowest in terms of 3D Zelda games for me, it was it was below Majora's. I mean, I'm not a bit, I know people love Majora's Mask, but for me, it's yeah. just not there. Um, so Same it's here. actually- I, I feel crazy because I I get a lot of backlash from people about that because I that's yeah. that's not even close to my favorite Zelda. No hate yeah. to the Majora's Mask people out there. Mm -hmm. Seriously, no hate to you guys. Yeah. Um, but it's it, to me, it's now jumping above Majora's Mask for me. And it's like knocking on the door of maybe like Twilight or something because of the button controls now. And like, and the game just, first 60 frames per second Zelda game, I mean, as well, that double the frame rate to me really makes a big improvement in the rhythm of the game. Cause I have mm -hmm. tried out the motion controls, you know, they do work sometimes and I think mm -hmm. it's smoother, but <laughs> the button controls for me. I, yeah. uh, so I started, I started with the stick controls and then went back to um, motion controls just for kind of like, just for memory's sake. And then I do have to say like, when you fight some of the more advanced enemies, like a BMOS statue, like it just feels good to do those like horizontal swipes and then the stab stuff. I dig all that, but like my, my hand gets tired. Right. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so man, I, I, I don't want to be like super negative on this because I, I'll just say like from the jump to backtrack on what Rich George had said in his original review, the 1010 and I will say I will say that's probably one of the IGN reviews I've I've disagreed with the most. Um, just because I, I think that like and, and no offense to Rich, like I, I he's completely entitled to feel his way, and I'm glad he was passionate about this game. And I yep. completely understand why this game connected with so people, so many people. And it does feel very hit or miss in terms of like there are people that played this game entirely with mo motion controls, and it was you know surreal and magical for them. And I I do not ever want to take that away from them. But my perspective on this game is that it, like it was sort of a flawed inherently flawed premise from the jump. I mean, the entire concept of building a Zelda game around these motion controls and knowing from the jump that they didn't necessarily work super well to the fact that this game starts you with six hearts instead of three, because they immediately out the gate go, there's going to be a trial and error here. There's going to be scenarios where the new players are, are getting pushback from the systems that we put in place, where they're not clicking, connecting uh, with, with what's going on here. It's also like, he is correct, Skyward Sword is an incredibly important and influential Zelda, but not necessarily in the ways I think we thought at the time. This is a, a game that forced Nintendo to kind of break the mold of what Zelda could be. Um, this is the probably the most linear Zelda game in terms of like, you don't even have like a, a Termina, a Hyrule field. Like there's really nothing like that. It's, it's a lot of very narrow self-contained areas that, that open up into some incredible dungeons. There are some of the best dungeons in the series are in this game. But I think that like Nintendo backtracked off of the premise of this game so hard that they scrapped motion controls uh, uh, outside of aiming. They ditched dungeons for Breath of the Wild, and they made <laughs> the most open Zelda game that they've ever made, which is interesting because this game launched uh, within the same 
three or four weeks of games like Skyrim, which I think that like something like Breath of the Wild has a lot more in common with Skyrim than it does Skyward Sword, um, interestingly enough. And so I'm attempting to play this game again now, and I, I immediately got pretty frustrated with the motion controls. Um, I, I gave it as much as I could, and then I, I jumped over to the uh, stick and button controls, which I do think work a lot better, but still, like, uh, it, you sort of lose a little bit of immersion there, and I do find that that, like, that decision to map the camera to holding L um, to then move the camera, yeah. it is just, like, something that my brain five six seven eight nine hours in and i i still I'm, I'm still struggling with and i want to keep pushing forward because there's so much good in this game and there's so many quality of life tweaks that they did this time around but i think that like no matter what you do with this game it's still buried in the in in the fact that the original premise is sort of inherently flawed it's a puzzle game right like out of all of the and, and obviously some of the ds games the touch games were more puzzle oriented than exploration but like I think they struggled first of all with technology because when you're when you're flying over your the main island and you jump off your bird you're not feeling you're not experiencing a connected world it fades out and then fades in and lands you on the world right, right? like it's not an, a true open world game and everything there's some non-linear elements like you go back to uh, areas you explored and you can obviously see the hook shot, shot targets and things like that early but ultimately it is much more uh, like a it's similar to the later Uncharted games, where there is some sort of hub concept, but ultimately it's a progression of a story with levels, um, which is, you know, which is different from the series. By the way, like you, you guys are all talking about motion controls, and like I totally agree. By the way, like I actually think I love this. I like this game a lot better than the old one because I have the camera controls now that we didn't. We didn't have the second stick on the Wii mode, obviously, and I do think the Switch uh, having the free camera control. It adds a ton, and that's why I also like yeah. the motion control mode better because I have instant access to it. But if you if you want to know whom to blame for the motion controls, I found in an old uh, IGN interview, um, Aonuma says that Katsuya Iguchi, the director of Wii Sports Resort at the time, showed him the sword fighting game in Wii Sports Resort and said, "You you'd be crazy not to use this in a Zelda game. Like this is this is the future. This works. You should use this." And obviously, in that game. You're not exploring in 3D and constantly turning. It's all very linear, right? Like it's on a line and it, it works much better in the end. Um, but yeah, Iguchi set um, Aonuma on a track where back in 2011, Aonuma said, I honestly think we cannot go back to button controls now. So I think that these controls will be used in future Zelda titles too. <laughs> that that de definitely didn't happen, did it? <laughs> <laughs> right. That was like when they were like, oh, if if uh, if Resident Evil 4 gets ported to other systems, I'll cut my head off. And it's like a famous video game quote. That or really I eat mean anything. Mm -hmm. there, there was yeah. a, I, I eat my hat, uh, a quote from some dev as well. Right. Yeah. But, but do you guys think Skyward Sword is creatively a dead end for the Zelda series? Like never to be repeated. Obviously, we're seeing elements of the controls in VR games now. Right. Like all of the stuff in like Metroid Prime 3 and, and uh, Skyward Sword, like all of the kind of like puzzles where you turn things that's all like staple in vr games now but do you think zelda is done with that or do you think in some way skyward sword is still a stepping stone for future games and you can feel the influence i mean there's a lot of influences from skyward sword that you know already we've seen in breath of the wild you know stamina meter the you know the, right. the sailcloth which is just an extension of the leaf from wind waker um and i'm sure it was in other ones prior prior to that that was you know made 
became the paraglider in Breath of the Wild. Um, there's just there's a lot of stuff that you know Skyward Sword kind of walked so that you know Breath of the Wild could run. Um, and I'm not a huge Breath of the Wild fan. I'm probably like Breath of the Wild is very low on my list for Zelda's personally, um, and it's just because like uh, Brian was saying, it's more Skyrim than Zelda, um, and that's just I'm not a big open world sandbox just go find stuff like i want my dungeons i want my narrative i want my music um and that's one of the things i love about skyward sword is it has all of those main zelda um staples and that's that's what i that's what i crave when i want to play a zelda game i want my dungeons i want that great music i want those puzzles and stuff like that i mean breath wild had great puzzles with the shrines and stuff but um i want those you know that strong sense of narrative as well and i think you know i think Motion controls probably aren't going to live on from Skyward Sword in a massive, meaningful way. Um, we'll probably see nods to it in future installments, but I think the other things that you know Breath of the Wild or that Skyward Sword did, we're already feeling the effects of, and we're going to see more of that in the future. So let's say you are Numa now, and you look back at the Zelda series. Like I almost feel like Zelda has done it all, right? Like we've done open world 2D, 3D, time travel between days, which is one of the best Zelda games, and years, multiplayer, <laughs> transformations, horses, boats, trains, birds, motion controls, climb everything, touch screen. <laughs> where, where, do you, where do you go next, crossbow? Where do you go next? Dinosaurs. <laughs> dinosaurs. dinosaurs. We go dinosaurs. We haven't had dinosaurs. No, we no, had Star Fox no, Adventures. No. That's probably as close as you'll get to a, a Nintendo dinosaurs all the game. Yeah. yeah. Dinosaurs yet. No dinosaurs yet. But it looks like they're trying to take what they did with Skyward Sword. And you can see some of the influence with Breath of the Wild 2 from the very beginning. It looks like they're going to put so like the, just the stuff that was just like flying through the sky, like just that right there. So I think they're going to take some of that stuff. I think they're going to add in some of the things that Jada was talking about. So I think that right now at this point, it's take what worked, right? Breath of the Wild, best-selling Zelda game of all time. It's it's my favorite uh, just because I, I like, I'm not necessarily in Same. love with super open world, but it's just the way that they did it, the innovation that it brought to the table. Take that, that base and then add in the stuff that people want and then you get the even better product add in those dungeons better ones add in that sky stuff flying around in the sky is just cool it's just a dope thing to do and yeah. if you do that you even get and then add the intrigue like what the heck is going on with link right they added intrigue to his like his body something's happening um and you have a game that can even beat the first the, the first breath of the wild which would be you know nuts and that game is already mm -hmm. really good in most people's eyes so i think that's the future just kind of reiterating on what was great but then adding in some extra things for intrigue and then just kind of go from there see see where that takes you you know yeah excellent it's, it's it's tough, right? Because I mean, just you listen to this panel right here, and it's like everybody has a different perspective on what Zelda should be. Everybody has their favorites. I absolutely love Breath of the Wild. I wish it had dungeons in it. Like, I I, I would rather take like sort of like I, I, I cut the amount of shrines in half and then put some of those resources into making like six or seven sort of more bespoke dungeons. Because the you know like the the four big sort of pillars of that game weren't they were sort of dungeony but not necessarily um whereas a lot of people hate the the um the, you know weapon durability stuff i personally didn't mind it i thought it became a non-issue towards the second half of the game but that that's why like I, there are there are definitely like notes of the of, of skyward sword that i wish would carry forward in the future uh the bizarre 
you know, weird esoteric control scheme not included. Because I, I do feel like even with button controls, even with motion controls, like it is a little bit of sort of like, you know, walking and chewing gum, scratching your head, patting your stomach at the same time. It never like totally feels like it always feels like you maybe need like a third joystick or a motion controller on your head or something like that. And again, there are people that it works perfectly for them and power to you. I'm so glad you're enjoying this game, but I found myself like switching between these schemes very often. And I don't think it's like, it's not a shock that like this took inspiration from Wii Sports because I think that's what they were going for, right? Yeah. They were trying to make, they were trying to make a sort of bigger, meatier game for that like very casual Nintendo Wii audience, which obviously had some hardcore players within it, right? There are a lot of really great Wii games, but there are a lot of people that like, they got the Wii to go bowling and, and then we, you know, they got Wii Sports Resort and this felt like sort of a giant experiment uh, in 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 that sort of department, um, but there's a lot of really cool stuff in this game, and so I I'm glad that people are are, are getting to sort of play it for uh, the first time or the second time. I'm glad that it's getting um, a second chance out there in a lot of a lot of people's hearts and minds. I don't I still don't think it's going to you know ever crack my top five Zeldas or anything like that. Right. But um, I'm 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 glad it's here again, and I'm glad that they cut a lot of the fat. I hate dowsing. I hate dowsing so much. Everybody I wish hates it wasn't there. There. <laughs> I wish I, it wasn't there. I, I'm 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 at the Lanairu uh, mine. I just finished that whole area and the uh, you know the temple after that, the, and I'm having a ton of fun with it. Like I I love the concept of a Zelda game as a puzzle game. Just the, co the just the idea of knocking down a skulltala and having to upward swipe to flip it. Like that sort of like discovery of puzzle play I, I think is really strong and there's something about cutting like branches and being able to slice them multiple times that just feels right I really like that stuff but hey it's 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 a really interesting experiment and we're unlikely to ever see a game of this scale with this sort of control scheme again but um if you want more Zelda Skyward Sword discussion you can actually put the Master Sword back in the pedestal and you can go back to episode 133 of NVC where uh you, in our Zelda spoiler cast, you hear Rich, uh, Sam, and Audrey in 2011 talk about their first impressions of the game. It's a pretty good listen because it was such a big disruptor uh, of a game. And so I think the, the reception was very, very different back then. Um, and maybe also the kind of idea of what games would like look like in the future. Um, with that, I want to move on and I want to check in with everybody you know, outside of Skyward Sword. I want to check in what you're playing. Um, and I know Jada, you jumped, you jumped into Pokemon Unite. How's that going? It's actually pretty good. I was, I was a little skeptical. I'm a huge League of Legends player. I've been playing since beta back in like '09. Um, but I, I saw the trailer and I was like, this looks pretty cool for you know. I love Pokemon, so like this looks like an interesting kind of in between, and it's great. Um, it's so um, welcoming to newcomers to MOBAs in general. Um, I think you know a lot of Pokemon fans. Uh, there's probably a good portion of Pokemon fans that have never played a MOBA or know what a MOBA is. Um, but this five on five, just, you know, working with teammates to, um, you know, dunk Pokeballs into your opponent's hoops. Um, it really just kind of, it grabbed me. And, you know, I, I sat there playing a couple matches yesterday and I really liked it. I, uh, you know, the tutorial is very straightforward and teaches you about, you know, defeating neutral monsters or Pokemon. Um, and then, you know, you level up as you go through, you Pokemon learn new moves, you evolve, um, which, you know, and then you get to upgrade your moves. Um, and you really, you know, it echoes that you need to work as a team. Um, I pick, I started with Eldegoss, um, the, the grass supporter, 
um, because I, I know that a lot of people are going to be playing this game for the first time. And so like, yes, I could play a heavy hitter like a Charizard and try to carry, but it's more of a team. It's a t- very much a team game. You've got to work with your allies. And so Eldegoss allowed me to go around and heal my allies constantly, knock up my opponents so that my allies could mm-hmm. do more damage. I gave them a chance to, to have the spotlight. And I still walked away with an MVP in my first match, um, which was great. What's a great feeling as a support character to have the highest points in a, a MOBA game, which isn't very common in most MOBAs. Um, but yeah, it's great. And there's a, an excellent roster of characters to choose from right off the bat. Um, there's some microtransactions and stuff if you want custom outfits for your Pokemon. Um, I haven't dived too much into that yet. Um, and then they also have held items to so where you can kind of customize, you know, health region, bonus attack, movement speed, um, all types of different things. It's really, it's surprisingly deep, um, but very easy to get into. Nice. OJ, you kicked the tires on this yet? Uh, yeah, yeah. I played uh, yesterday uh, and I had I had a lot of the people, you know, uh, my subscribers play with me. And yeah, I echo what Jada said. It's it's amazing. It's really good. I am surprised. Like I'm su- I'm trying to I'm surprised on how good it is because I don't like MOBAs and I've tried everyone that's came out. I don't like League. I don't like um, Arena of Valor. I don't like any. I just, I just don't like them. They just seem generic to me. They just seem like I'm just playing these little things running around. But with Pokemon, it's something that I know, right? It's something that it's been around forever. But there is some depth to the game. I was using Cinderace, and Cinderace is such a good mid-range, like to long-range character. It just like kicks the ball. It's like you know, like Messi or whatever. It's like he's like a soccer star on there. So it's really fun to play with some of the characters, and we were having a great time. We were um, we were getting kind of cooked at the beginning. Um, when we started playing five on five, we were getting kind of beat badly, but then we started getting better and working together. Then we started really winning. Then I started getting some of the MVPs and everything. And I had a ton of fun. Even when we were losing, I was still having fun, just learning how to play and upgrade the character and getting into like what a MOBA is. Cause all the same little rules apply, but things are just kind of done a little bit differently. And yes, dunking is cool. I like the fact that you dunk to get the points. There's just something that feels satisfying when you get that dunk and it's like a big like 50 points or it's like a good like 20 point dunk or something like that this feels great so yeah very surprised and it's cool that it came to switch first they said hey it's coming to switch first then it's coming to mobile later it's gonna have cross play and all that you know so that's that's great and also been playing monster Hunter stories too that game's awesome too yeah yeah we, we talked about that a bunch um yeah. you know obviously casey is probably not sleeping and playing that right <laughs> yeah, yeah she's a <laughs> um, she really likes monster hunter <laughs> yeah she gets she gets deep into it i'm um, brian yeah Brian, you played Boomerang X, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if uh, if you all have heard of this game, but uh, it, I think it just came to PC and Switch, um, and it's a, uh, it's sort of like this arena shooter, but it's you, you, it's a, it's a first person game where you are, uh, you get a boomerang, and it slowly upgrades, and then you start getting more and more powers, and you get a lot of sort of mobility and verticality. So you become this character that can basically throw a boomerang into the air and then teleport to the where that boomerang is, and then land, and then you get double jumps. Uh, so there's a lot of like sort of like first person, almost Metroid Prime-ish traversal that uh, funnels into these arenas where there are like you know hordes of enemies and monsters and awful spiders and bats and such and you have to throw your boomerang and then you can also click a button to bring it right back to you so it feels very nintendo in that um 
it's got a very sort of simple presentation, a simple premise, but it has this kind of gameplay hook that consistently evolves and builds upon itself. Like Nintendo's really good at saying, here's this uh, pitch for this sort of mechanic and what's the most we can get out of it, right? That's like a very traditional sort of approach they have to game design. I've always appreciated that. And I feel like this game does a really good job of that. It sort of has this simple set of rules that it consistently builds upon to the point where you are like teleporting and double jumping and triple jumping and boomeranging in the air and hopping all over the place and it's chaos and it's super super fun and it's really really clever the game's pretty short so um you know it's it's not necessarily like the, the kind of thing that overstays it's welcome welcome it is 20 bucks for something you will be able to complete in you know just a few hours you can go back and and do other stuff obviously but um yeah, I give this one a chance. It's an indie game. It just launched recently. I feel like it got a little bit of buzz, but a lot of people slept on it. So yeah, check out this game. It's it's super, super cool. Uh, I believe there's also motion control stuff in it too, if you're looking for more stuff to flail your Joy-Con around after Skyward Sword wraps up. I was just about to ask if you're playing with motion controls. <laughs> yeah, you, that's definitely an option. <laughs> it's not an option for Brian, though. Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I started playing a game that does not have motion controls. That's Cotton Reboot. The full name is Fantastic Night Dreams Cotton, uh, which is a, a remake of a... God, uh, when did it come out? Ages ago. It was uh, on the um, X6800 uh, Sharp computers in Japan. Uh, you know, a classic... If you if you know Parodius from Konami, right, like the kind of whimsical take on Gradius style, R-type style shooters, where you have a you know you have anime cutscenes and fun characters, and for some odd reason, always Easter Island statues in some fashion. So it's it's that sort of a game. You're playing as a witch on a broomstick, and you're just firing uh, just bullets and beams and everything. The entire screen is filled with stuff. It is. Um, it is bullet heli, but it's not a difficult shooter. So if you're into shmups, um, it's it's, uh, it's 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 a pretty good one. I remember playing it uh, on the in the on the old Sega arcade boards back in uh, in Japan when it first came out. Um, you know, Cotton obviously was was uh, pretty well known over there, and. Uh, this re-release has upgraded graphics. They changed some of the uh, uh, gameplay elements, like you kind of amplify your shots through shooting uh, through crystals now. Um, and it also includes the original game. Uh, only only thing is, it's forty bucks. So you know, it's a it's a shmup. If you're into the into that genre, if you love side-scrolling shooters, it's worth it. But at forty bucks, uh, obviously, it's a high price for for a shooter like that. Uh, OJ, are you playing any other new Switch games that we need to know about? Um, that's pretty much it. I've been playing Monster Hunter Stories, been playing, uh, yeah, Skyward Sword. Those are kind of the new ones. Um, you know, and Neo, The World Ends With You, uh, Neo 20 comes out, you know, soon. So I know well, I'll be right, playing yeah. that, but there's a lot of games. There's definitely a lot of games when it comes to Switch and when it comes to just stuff in general. So yeah, mm -hmm. those are kind of what I'm focusing on right now. I, I do have the Boomerang game, uh, that you're talking about. I have a review code for that and I want to get into that. Um, so I, I kind of want to check that out when I can, because it does look really, really cool. It's just, I've just been overloaded. There's, yeah, there's just been so many games coming out, man. I'm just only one person, so I can't play everything. But yeah, it's it's uh, it's been a lot. And Jada, I know you're playing No Straight Roads, but I we only have a couple of minutes left. So I yeah. wanted to get to some of the question block questions from our fans. Let's do it. Um, so uh, uh, let's see. Uh, from Patrick Coppins, how would you fit Groose into Breath of the Wild 2? He's too great to never see again. Can we put him as a statue in the form of a tombstone? Ooh. I thought the exact same <laughs> thing. I don't know. <laughs> That's exactly where my brain Oh, went. no. That is so dark. 
Well, there's a lot. I mean, that's like a lot of. There's a lot of like remnants of old Zelda games in the Breath of the yeah. Wild lore, right? Yeah. Well, look, he um in in the NVC podcast group on on Facebook, which you uh, should join because there's great people there. There was a discussion that, around how he's basically Biff from the Back to the Future series, but in the Zelda series. So maybe there could be, maybe he could just jump out of uh, out of a flying horse cart with gullwing doors and and arrive in that timeline. Please don't do that. I mean, maybe what he's got he, kids, grandkids. What, what if they had like a they had like a like there was a one of those big sort of tentacle guardian things in Breath of the Wild too, but one of them just had like this orange faux hawk. And there you like, go. Is that, is that him? Or like his or, his soul's in there? It could, the it could just be a, a yeah yeah the pompadour <laughs> a, a bird. Just make him a bird. Uh, and then a question from Marshall who uh, who writes in uh, a lot. So I want to make sure that we read a, another question from him. He says, as a Metroid autistic fan, I checked out the seven facts you didn't know about Metroid by Brian, and it was very good. I agree. That was an awesome video. Thank you. Um, he he uh, added another uh, uh a fact, he said, Metroid Prime Federation Force, which we do not speak of, Marshall, uh, teased Prime 4 in one of the missions you destroy a Metroid breeding facility while escaping with a Metroid egg in the secret ending, Silux has the Metroid. Um, my question is, are you okay with more characters in Metroid? It's frustrating to me when people think Metroid is just Samus. There are lots of characters in Metroid that you can merchandise and talk about that's not just Samus. It makes me sad that Samus does, doesn't have friends. If Mario and Lincoln have wonderful friends uh, and friends that are uh, relatable, why not Samus? What do you guys think? Do you would you like to have an exp expanded roster like they tried with Federation Force? Obviously, I mean he, Samus has Ridley. I mean Ridley's Aww. kind of a friend, right? <laughs> oh, best Ridley, friend. Ridley ate her parents. Yeah, <laughs> friends like that friend. who enemies. <laughs> not, a not a good friend. But then again, it, it might be relatable to people because a lot of times people sometimes people aren't really nice to other people. So I mean, that, I is nice. that is true. Yeah. So. I liked what they did, not necessarily friends, but I liked what they did with the sort of cast of bounty hunters in Metroid Prime Hunters for DS. Mm, yes. um, I thought there were some really cool designs there. That reminded, I'm a big fan of like the bounty hunters from Empire Strikes Back and stuff, even though they're only in that movie for like four seconds, have a bunch of their toys because I'm weird. Um, I like, I, lo I love that whole idea of just having this like nefarious evil group of, of different bounty hunters from different planets and stuff like that. I, necess I don't necessarily want her to have friends, but uh, that also feels like a mean thing to just be like, I don't want you to have friends, you know, like that's a, that's yeah. kind of crappy to say to I anybody. Mean, so, I mean, R Ripley had Hicks, right? And knew yeah. and, oh, and what happened to them? Bad uh, things happen to yeah. people's friends in scenarios like that. So I guess if that's what you want, I mean, maybe they'll, she'll have, Samus can well, have friends, but they'll die. Is that what people want? Well, there I don't know. I these, think, you know, Nintendo said, or the lead designer said that this game, uh, the next Metroid game will wrap Samus's storyline, but he doesn't, he doesn't mean that she dies or that there's new characters. It, it, I'm sure there's more. And he, he even, he even said that he said, of course, there'll be more Metroid games, obviously prime four. There's this myth that that game is in development. Have you guys heard about that? Some Apparently, sort of yeah. They're going to remaster the logo that they showed us like five years yeah, ago. Yeah. So that'll be good. I, Pop that I, on screen. I'd be, I'd be up for some more characters in that franchise. If it works for Alien. I think I think one of the big things about Metroid as a series is that feeling of, isol of being isolated. That, that feeling of alone is kind of like, you know, one of those things that's kind of pushing you forward. And it's one of the things that separates it from the other Nintendo franchises. Every other, just about every other Nintendo mascot has you know a group of friends or you know a ragtag group of characters that they interact with regularly and samus has always just been, kind of been like i'm on my own i gotta do this nobody else is gonna do it so i, I like that i like that she's you know kind of that solo heroine of the 
the whole mythos and everything in there. Real, real quick, who's the lady from Metroid Prime 3 that can shapeshift? You guys know who I'm talking about? Metroid Prime 3. Like, oh, you know how yeah, you yeah, can, yeah. There's there's a there's a lady that can actually like that can change like she turned into Samus like sort of like a little prank at the beginning right. of Metroid Prime 3. But anyway, they need to bring her back and All she right. needs to be involved in the story. I think you, you, she ended up dying, but somehow bring her back. <laughs> Um, and she needs to be involved in, in the series going forward because she's awesome. Like Metroid That's, Prime 3, those characters, all those characters that you ended up fighting, they're all cool in Metroid Prime 3. So, yeah, I'd and, like to see Sam Skits. And they're so fondly remembered that we all remember their names. <laughs> but, Metroid Prime 3 is my favorite Prime game. So, like, I, I um, just remember. I'm, like, just, I'm, I'm on the wiki right now. Rundas, Gore, Gondrida. See? Everybody knows. Yeah, she's totally like normal names. Pond- yeah, Baba. So that, yeah, you're thinking of uh, Gandrida, I guess. Yes, bring Maybe. her back, please. Okay. Bring her back. All right, yes. I'm, I'm writing a letter to Nintendo right now. Dear Nintendo. Um, but speaking of friends, uh, that was a wonderful discussion. Thank you, everybody, for joining NVC. We are out of time for this week. Um, but if you, uh, you know, obviously, if you want more NVC, there are... 569 other episodes you can chase down on podcast services from apple to spotify you can watch our youtube videos we don't have that many uh but you know we post them every week on ign games on youtube and obviously on our website uh, if you want to write to us email us at nvc at ign.com and we'll try and respond to your questions in our weekly question block post or interact with you on the uh, nvc podcast forums of, uh, of course as well um Everybody, thank you so much for joining. We really got to wrap it. Um, where can people find you when you're not on NVC? Jada? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Jadarena. And you can also find me in the IGN comment section since I'm the uh, community lead. There you go. And Brian? You can find me on Twitter at Agent Bizzle. I'm also on a bunch of different IGN shows all the time. So you, you know I'm old. You know me by now. And OJ? You can find, find me on YouTube, Player Essence on YouTube, and also on Twitter um, at Player Essence. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you, Logan, our NVC assistant, for helping with the show. And remember, NVC is the only place that you can... Get the thing. Get the thing. thing. Oh, my God, you got it. We got it. (laughs) Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you.